come on, let's do just examine our own hearts for a moment. It's a beautiful song. It's a great reality. How many of you would agree we're singing I Surrender All, but we probably haven't surrendered all? How many of you would agree with that? <laughs> I want you just, if we can just take a moment in what we're doing and just go a little deeper. You know, our New Year's revelation for 2023 is deeper. And we're just, as we conclude out of worship, we're actually going to receive communion together as a family. We're going to do this in a unique way. Um, I want to invite our online family to participate, but even normally I would say, you know, go make, go grab some bread, some juice, something. But just hold right there. Just everybody, if we can just remain this moment, because this is a really important piece to communion. The Bible cautions us that we would not take communion in a way um, that we've not prepared our hearts. Don't take communion in an unworthy fashion, one translation says. In other words, examine your heart, come to a deeper place of surrender in the way we celebrate the broken body, the beating of Jesus' body, the bleeding, His blood. Examine the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. Please think about this. Examine the sacrifice that He made on our behalf and then reflect just for a moment on the sacrificial nature in your own life of truly surrendering all. And so I'm going to give you just a moment just to listen to the Lord in this. And I want you to think about, as the Lord will, he, he so graciously does this, wouldn't you agree? Like he just reaches over and puts his finger on an area that he's wanting to deal with, maybe an attitude that's not been surrendered. Maybe a behavior that you've just decided to justify and live with even though you know it's not, uh, it doesn't line up biblically. So just let's, let's invite him. Lord, would you help us to sing this from a deeper place? Out of true surrender, highlight for us, Lord. We just say we want to examine ourselves that we might take communion in a worthy way so that we wouldn't be unworthy in our approach just flippantly yeah, that's the body, that's the blood. Jesus died. But may we understand you've called us to die to ourselves that we might surrender more completely to you. you see there's something the Lord's highlighting that lacks surrender to him just raise your hand high just want us to be honest about it 
we're saying he's showing us something and we're just posturing ourselves just want to pause for a moment want to make sure you're examining yourself because what we're doing is we're raising our hand we're saying Lord that area I want to avail that to you that attitude that whatever it is I want to avail that to you Father we just come before you as a family and we say that we want repentance to be something we're quite familiar with in the way we live before you. Your word says in the book of Acts, repentance brings refreshing. David describes in Psalms, when I cover up my iniquity, it's like my strength is sapped like the heat of summer. I'm just exhausted all the time and I don't even know why. It's because I've covered these things up and I've not allowed you to have your way. Jesus, you truly did pay it all that we might grow in ongoing understanding of what true surrender is all about. So now we say, from a little deeper place, I surrender all. I surrender all. We surrender all. Lord, today, just as we acknowledge the sacrifice of Christ, recognize the table of the Lord, as a commission that you've given us in Scripture, as our way of life, that we were to continually commune with God and with others, bearing in remembrance the sacrifice that brings us to the table of God. I pray, Lord, you would deepen that within us today as well. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to share something with you, just an experience I had, really an encounter I had with the Lord uh, in the way we're going to receive communion today. So I would invite you, um, if you're online, go ahead and find some bread, some wine, some substitute of uh, components of elements so that could be used in that regard. And for those of us here in the room, there are tables up on the front to my left and right. There are tables right here in the back. If you'd make your way and uh, you'd like to participate in this then go ahead and go and get this cup it's got the bread and the juice in one single cup
So just, if you would, relax. Just not like too much. Don't lay down or anything. But just, just relax. Because I'm not just going to lead you through and now here's the bread and here's the juice. I, what I want to do is introduce you to something. And so um, we've come into a new season and we want to be discerning of the seasons rather than trying to just promote a well-packaged series. And the season is you are what you eat. And this will show up on the screen if you could pop that up there for me. Um, because we want to start to understand just a little more. Like, there's this crazy verse in the Bible where Jesus says we're supposed to eat his flesh and drink his blood. It's in John chapter 6, and it's like you read stuff like that, and it's just like, I, I don't know. But there's a reason he was saying what it is that he was saying, and there is the ability that exists within you, and just hear me on this, to digest something substantial out of the spirit realm around us. In an atmosphere like this, we're actually digesting something. We're taking in the presence of the Lord. Do you understand? He's forming Christ within you, and that's happening supernaturally as you take in the presence of the Lord. You're designed to live in and dwell in and receive the presence of the Lord in a way that just in the same way your physical body takes in food and translates that food into energy, so is it the case that you actually take in God's presence and it translates His presence into spiritual stamina and strength that exists within you. It's a beautiful atmosphere, great reality. And Jesus is, is explaining that as He's talking about that. And so what we want to try and do in this season of time is, is we take kind of a deeper look once again at the table of the Lord what it means to take in Christ in every moment in time. And so we're, what we're learning in the church is that the kingdom of God really should be mobilizing us more to action than attraction. And we just need to constantly hear these phrases because we need to rehearse the reality of what God's asking from us and for us. Rather than just getting anybody stirred up, hey, go out, you know, love people, make a difference, be cool, be good, be nice. What we're really saying is it's more than just trying to go out and be morally upright or be nice or be good. But actually, God wants to form Christ in us. I want you to think about that. Because Galatians 4.19 speaks of this travail of labor, of forming Christ within us. Paul is saying, I'm praying. Not that you'll be nice and good and you'll know the Bible and go to church. He said, I'm praying that Christ will be formed within you. What does it mean for Christ to be formed in you? And it's where this deeper place of surrender begins to occur in your life as a result of a transaction that's taking place with God. That's just Christianity. And I'm saying this because I think it's very important that we understand God's really doing a deep work in the church in this hour. Uh, I love it, uh, Leah Payne, um, just not too long ago, maybe a month, caught me over here, and Leah gave her life to Christ this last year. 
She and, and Cody were baptized at our serve team appreciation night. For those of you who are here, it was really beautiful. But, but I loved it because Leah caught me over here. And she just, she came up to me. She goes, Pastor, Pastor. Like she was really excited. She goes, Pastor, it's really happening. Like things are different inside me. Isn't that a beautiful expression of it? She said, things that I used to react to, I'm not even reacting to them as much anymore. It's like, what happens is we accept Christ and God begins to transform us from the inside out. <clears throat> but that takes place as we exchange and interact with Him. And so, I want us just to think about that as I take you through, and I'm going to read verses of Scripture. They're not going to come up on the screen or anything like that as I'm reading these verses of Scripture. Because I just want you to process them. I want you to open your heart, open your mind, and think about the words as I'm reading them. And, and I had this incredible experience. I met with our, our leadership team in the UK, and we just spent a day of just praying and reading Scripture together. We'd been fasting and just pressing in. And we, we kind of concluded the afternoon with this big loaf of bread. And, and you put a towel on the loaf, and you break off a big chunk and then you pass it on, and the next person holds down with a towel, and they break off a big chunk. And you've got this big piece of bread, not like a little cracker, but like a big piece of bread, and then a, like a full thing of juice, you know, just a, 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 like not just a little cup, it's a big cup. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking, you know, <laughs> this is a big Jesus. I've not had big Jesus before. I've had a little Jesus. <laughs> but what we did was we just all read Scripture for about 30 or 40 minutes, just all taking turns, just reading portions of Scripture. And as we were reading and you know, hearing others read portions of Scripture, we were just taking in something from the Lord in a profound and significant way. And, and when you would hear something that really spoke to you, you would just break a piece of your bread and you would just eat that with the realization that the broken body of Christ actually made the way for me to receive more than just the hearing of truth, but the translation of that truth becoming something that's awakening and transforming your mind. Like, do you understand this is transforming your life? Like it's, it's, we've not allowed a depth of understanding of the power of God's Word in the body of Christ in the hour in which we've lived. So what I want you to do, just I'm going to read, I think, five portions of Scripture. And I just want you to listen. And at some point as I'm reading, when, when something really resonates with you, just in the name of the realization that we're partaking in the body of Christ and the way we're even receiving the Word, then I would invite you in that moment just to take the bread and take the cup as an expression that you understand and you realize there's something deeper that God's desiring to do within us. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us to understand this is not about trying to perform a communion. But we really are interacting with God. Even right now, just, I'm talking, but I'm interacting with God. We're hearing, but we're interacting with God. And I pray you would bless the public reading of Scripture and this gathering of the church as we enter into the season where we understand we are what we eat. We truly are what we eat. What we take in produces the conclusion of the expression of our lives physically, 
as well as spiritually and in every other way. So we choose, Lord, to take in who you are, that we might become more of the expression of God to the world around us as we surrender more readily to you. James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. And Lord, I just thank you that your word clearly reveals what the royal law in Scripture is. We know that we are invited to love God with all of our hearts and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So would you take us deeper in that understanding today as we explore the deeper reality of Christ and the way we commune with God through the broken body and shed blood of Christ in Jesus' mighty name. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer. I've been praying this prayer over this church this week. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Lord, thank you that you are awakening within us this love that would abound more and more, increasing our knowledge and our understanding of the ways of God, the eternal nature of Christ. You're awakening that within us so that we'll actually be able to discern that which is right and that which is not. We know that our ability to discern is limited to our willingness to grow in love because if you begin to awaken our ability to discern those around us but our love is not mature enough to love them when we can discern them, then it would be destruction to ourselves and we'd become judgmental. So take us deeper, we pray, Lord, in the love of Christ. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. Actually, just verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Lord, would you, by your love and by your presence, cause our love, as we learn to live in your presence, causing our love to increase and overflow for each other, for our brothers and our sisters, our family that's in this room and on our, uh, online. Help us, Lord, to grow in our love and overflow in our love for each other as well as everyone else, everyone that we work with, everyone that we interact with, people that are difficult to love. Lord, may we understand there's a deeper fragrance of love as a result of blessing those who curse us and praying for those who mistreat us. And teach us, Lord, what that kind of love looks like in Jesus' mighty name. 
our, our final verse, 1 Peter 1, 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. <laughs> love one another deeply from the heart. Lord, would you help us to grow in a deeper understanding of what this kind of love is, a love that the world didn't know until Jesus came. An agape love, which is a word that didn't even exist until people began to describe the kind of love that was observed in the coming of Christ, and then they invented this word. It is a love beyond our wildest imagination. It is a love that has nothing to do with exchange. It's, it's a love that says, when you give me kindness, I'll give you kindness. But when you give me unkindness, I will give you what God has given me instead, and I will continue to love. We thank you, Lord, for the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, if you've not already take in the elements, then please, if you would, go right ahead. Lord, we invite you to help us to grow deeper in the course of this year as we look to you, invite your guidance and your direction every step of the way. We thank you, Lord, you've not given up on anybody in this place. Aren't you thankful he's never given up on you? There are times you've given up on yourself, but he's never given up on you. so we thank you for that, Lord. Take us into a greater understanding, a greater reality of eternity as our way of life. May we serve our generation well, realizing we're just one of all these generations over the course of time that have had the privilege of knowing God and making God known. So help us to do that, Lord, as effectively as possible. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Boy, sometimes we feel like um, we've shown up and we need to get through, you know, one thing to the next. It's easy to stand here looking at all of you, looking at me, feeling like I need to scramble for something to say and make sure it's good. <clears throat> and... That's, that's largely contributed to what um, has been so misaligning in the church world that we live in today. Because we really are just gathered to celebrate His presence, aren't we? Like, you don't really need anybody to entertain you if you really understand encounter with God. And so I want to make sure we're taking time in our worship and, you know, every step of the way 
just to make sure we're focusing on encounter rather than entertainment, on presence, the presence of the Lord, rather than some presentation we're making. And um, the Lord's going to help us to grow in that. It's exciting, isn't it, what God's doing in this hour of the church? So I do want us to talk today as we step into this focus of uh, understanding you are what you eat. Um, how many of you know that if you eat junk food, you feel junky? I, I don't know how, but when I was a kid growing up, like I had you know Twinkies and Spam, and who loves Spam? Anybody here? <laughs> Some of y'all actually do. <laughs> and if you like to take the innards of an animal and grind it up in cold meat, that's that's between you and the Lord. I mean, what do you do with the lips and the rectum of an animal when you don't? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know if I'm in the spirit anymore. <laughs> I'm going to have to regroup. I just remember... When I was young, I felt awful sometimes and, and never put it together until I stopped eating so poorly and started eating from a healthier perspective. I mean, I know some people say, well, I don't like vegetables. I'm really meddling, aren't I, getting into all this. I don't like vegetables. Well, you really ought to learn to eat healthy. I mean, <laughs> come up with some way to figure out how to eat healthy. <clears throat> Because you really are what you eat. What you eat produces the conclusion of who you are. Physically, there's just no doubt about it. Your, your body is in the cellular regeneration. And uh, depending on which, um, which medical report you read, you actually get a brand new body head to toe anywhere uh, from every four to seven years. Like your cells are dying and replenishing and what you're eating is regenerating and producing. And so, uh, you know, if you eat uh, healthy food, then you kind of get a healthy conclusion, healthy version of you. If you eat unhealthy food, then you get a more unhealthy version, physically speaking. This is absolutely the case mentally. I mean, we're just digesting things. I'm actually going to go into uh, some conversation next week that some people might find very upsetting, but we need to evaluate some things that are happening in our world that we've just um, bought into as the norm, and our children are being fed this. I, I'm reluctant to go into too much of this, but you might not be aware at all, but Disney has announced a new cartoon movie coming out where a, a young girl is going to carry the, the seed of Satan, give birth to Satan's baby. Uh, I want to talk about some of those things next week and begin to address some of what your kids are exposed to online because they are what they eat. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to hold off on that uh, until next week, but I would really appreciate your prayers because I just feel uh, emboldened by the Spirit of God in the way that I'm to share some of these things, and it deals with uh, a lot of hot-button issues in our society today. So enough of that. Um, <clears throat> You are what you eat. And today, what I want us to understand, not just physically, not just mentally, 
even emotionally, what we're translating emotionally affects the emotional conclusion and expression of who we are, but, but absolutely spiritually. It's why we are trying to get everybody to understand the value of creating an heirloom, something like this Bible that you'll one day leave for your children and your children's children and their children, generations of people long after you're gone, well, can actually be influenced by your faith. And just get an old-fashioned Bible, start in the book of Genesis, and every day just write the date at the top of the page and turn one page. Then you can read other stuff too, but you do this and you just journal little prayers in it. Lord, today awaken my heart to the purposes of God. It's just a great prayer to write in the margin. And um, sometimes you're reading maybe the book of Leviticus and you're not understanding what you're reading, but you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. And so whether your mind is fruitful or not, Paul addresses that in Scripture. Uh, you just keep reading, realizing I'm digesting something spiritually even if I'm unable to comprehend it logically. I'm feeding myself spiritually. And you just do that every day, turn the page. Two and a half years or so, you'll be through the whole Bible. And then you'll have this dilemma to contend with, like, where do you do after you've done that? Then you do it again. And do you use the same Bible? Do you get a new Bible? And over the course of a few decades, you have a number of Bibles unless you go through them over and over. But those become phenomenal heirlooms um, to a generation of people that you're never going to be able to influence with your faith except by leaving something in their hands. So digesting that and, and just allowing the Lord to do that work in your heart begins to awaken something of the nature of Christ that exists within us. How many of you want to be more like Jesus? Like, for real, you want to be more like Jesus. You're, you, know, you cannot be, just hear this, you cannot become more like Jesus by gritting your teeth harder and loving no matter what, no matter how mad it makes you. You understand, that is a religious prescription that does not work. We live in a, a world where there are all kinds of religious prescriptions being given to us. We're being told to do certain things, behave certain ways, without really understanding its transformation of the heart that begins to change everything about our lives. You get in the presence of the Lord, you just automatically, naturally, supernaturally want to love people more readily. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You are what you eat. So today I'm just entitling this the royal law of love based out of that James 2 scripture. So let's read that now. It'll pop up on the screen for you to be able to observe it. James 2 a. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture. It's an interesting semantic, isn't it? The royal law found in scripture. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you learn to love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. That's a really good thing. <clears throat> so when we leave the neighbor out of this equation, then we grow self-absorbed. And what you may find surprising, I know I certainly have, um, loving our neighbor actually is liberating to us. And I'm reminded of... Um, one of our pastors who used to live here in Oklahoma City was on our team. He took his daughter. Um, she had a physical ailment and took her to Baltimore. And, and uh, she, was, she didn't want to miss school. She was pretty young. Didn't want to miss school. Didn't want to be away from her friends. She had to go for this treatment, a spinal um, 
issue that she was contending with. It was pretty serious. Went to Baltimore. It was rainy. It was cold. It was awful there. And they knew it was sunny back here. And so she was very fussy about being there. Understandably so. They woke up from the hotel the next morning and they're walking to the the space where they're going to do all the treatment and stuff that's going to take place. And as they're walking, she's very whiny and complainy and fussy and frustrated and saying, I just want to go home, I want to go home. And, and Nathan was saying, you know, it was fairly overwhelming as a dad dealing with this, kind of dragging her along for what she really needed, but not what she really wanted. But he said she got there and, you know, she had her problems and had her issues. But as they got into the room where this therapy was going to begin taking place, she met another little girl whose situation was far worse than hers. I want you to think about and translate this. This little girl had been on a swing set, and uh, as she swung forward, the swing set broke. It crashed down at the base of her neck, um, breaking her neck, and she was paralyzed from literally her ears down. And so Aaliyah is Nathan's daughter's name. And um, Aaliyah met this little girl, and and she saw somebody that was in way worse shape than her. Like, she was frustrated because she kind of had a hard time with mobility, but this person had no mobility. And Nathan said something really interesting happened because they interacted together as they walked through the process of therapy that day, and then they went back to the hotel. And the next morning when the alarm went off, he said Aaliyah was immediately up, getting ready, And she had this, like, her heart was almost full. There was a spring in her step. They're walking back, and she's not complaining. It's still gross and yucky outside. She's still not with her friends. All the things she was complaining about no longer even mattered in her mind. And when he asked her about it, she said, I want to go back and see my new friend. And this is what Nathan said, and and I've never forgotten it. He said, when we focused, she she found somebody that was suffering more than her, okay? You get it? That's the equation here. And Nathan said this, when we focus on the suffering of Jesus, we're delivered from our sins. But when we learn to focus on the suffering of others, we're delivered from ourselves. So if you're here and you're struggling with just this bad attitude and you know, whatever that is, maybe you've just been so self-absorbed, you've eliminated neighbor from the equation, and the more self-absorbed you are eliminating neighbor from the equation, the more exhausted and depleted and ultimately even depressed you will be, because you are actually not designed to live a self-absorbed, self-serving, self-seeking, self-promoting existence. That is an empty existence. Relational, here, here's just think about these in terms of analogy. This empty conclusion will always result when we're just serving ourselves. Relational emptiness awaits people who are relationally selfish. When every relationship is just me complaining to whoever that is I'm talking to, how many you know those relationships are not going to flourish? You might think of somebody, be gentle, be kind, be gracious, but you might think of somebody that comes to mind that every time you talk to them, all they want to talk about is all the problems that they have in their life. That person is never going to experience a flourishing relationship. No marriage can ever flourish. No friendship can ever flourish if one person in the relationship is just always complaining and always talking about how hard their life is. 
I've learned that some people have really hard lives but really great attitudes, and some people have really great lives and really hard attitudes. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's a choice that we make because you are what you eat. It's a matter of what you're processing. It's a matter of what you're intaking. Are you giving any consideration to anybody else around you? Or have you become so self-absorbed that inside you're just imploding emotionally and relationally and in every way? Relational emptiness, I'll say it again, awaits people who are relationally selfish. Here's another one. Financial emptiness awaits people who are financially selfish. A fulfilling life. Before I bypass that, have you ever been at a, a restaurant and you were making a decision on how much to tip and you went with a lower number and you later regretted it? Raise your hand if you've ever done it. Raise your hand. Be honest. Some of y'all are liars. A lot of you have done it, though, and you admit it. I've done that before. This is what I've learned. I have always found myself in moments of regret like that, aligning with not giving enough. I have never tipped someone generously and later regretted being generous. You don't regret generosity. You regret lack. You regret, you, you regret that impoverished mindset because it's just holding back this generous blessing that God's actually empowered you to give. I'm going to make this statement a couple of times today, but I want you to hear it loud and clear. It is our responsible, uh, sorry, it is our responsibility to release heaven into earth, bringing the full impact of a good God and a prosperous kingdom to a broken world in desperate need of God's love. That is a beautiful reality, wouldn't you agree? Like we have access to so much. We should carry that well and steward that well and share that generously in the lives of people around us. A fulfilling life results when we learn to live for purposes beyond ourselves. And this is because we're created by God for purposes beyond our own. So if you're just trying to explore the greatest self-serving purpose, you're really missing the point altogether, and you'll never understand your existence. And it will merely be existence. It will never be truly living. So the key to a great friendship, the key to a great marriage, it is the attitude of kindness at the expense of your own happiness. Are you hearing me? Key to a great friendship, key to a great marriage. It's not, I want you to make me happy. It's the attitude of kindness at the expense of your own happiness that actually comes from both people in the relationship. I'm going to give you some of the best marriage counseling advice I've ever heard in my life. It's two simple words, grow up. <laughs> me, 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 mine, mine, mine. That creates all kinds of relational problems. <laughs> But when I start to consider the people around me, it's show yourself friendly and you'll have a multitude of friends. You'll, you'll make more friends in one week of being friendly to others than you will in two years of trying to get other people to be friendly to you. 
It's just this principle, this natural principle. Let's just say it again. If you're you're married and you're next to your spouse, just reach over, grab their hand, and give them a little squeeze. This is is a renewing our vows here, just for a moment, okay? Get ready. You're going to give them a little gentle squeeze, and, and this is your squeezy amen, all right? You ready? The key to our marriage is the attitude of kindness at the expense of your own happiness And that is from both people in the relationship, and I commit that to you today. Amen. Give them a squeeze. Go ahead if you want to give them a kiss. But let's just end it there, okay? (laughs) Things get crazy. If you're going to learn to love, you must be willing to learn to give. If you're going to learn to love, you must be willing to learn to give. For God so loved the world that He gave. Love always gives because that's what love does. And when love gives, love receives because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so then love increases and gives even more. And then as it gives more, it receives more and it increases more. It is a vicious cycle of flourishing. I mean, you can't stop it. You can't control it. Once you get in, how many of you know, it's going one way or the other. There's not neutral in this. It's one way or the other. So, so always learning to be generous. This royal law of love that the Bible references is a pretty important law for us to understand. For God so loved that he gave. So it's interesting. Uh, I had somebody this week. Every once in a while I have... Uh, folks that are new fuss at me about this. And I had somebody who's fairly new to the church, and they, they fussed at me a little bit. Like, we don't pass buckets. Many Sundays, we don't even mention giving. How in the world am I supposed to give my tithes and offering to a church when I don't even know how to give? And so I, wanna, I want you to understand, this, this is how you do that. You can text GIVE to a number that will come up on the screen because we understand love gives and giving is an important piece of this. And, and, and you can also give through the giving stations. You know, the communion table in this center is always up every week as we gather to worship. You can always come and enjoy worship, celebrating the sacrifice of Christ, and then just naturally make your way to the giving station to celebrate your own sacrifice, and not just His sacrifice all the time. Or you can give by these other avenues. You can give online through our app. There are different ways that you can do this. But this is what we all need to understand, because love all always gives, and because God always calls us to walk in this attitude of sacrificial love, what we need to understand is from the beginning of time, God has always included giving as a part of worship. Give me some room. We don't talk about this all the time, but from time to time, we need to mention it so that we understand. You're bringing your tithes and your offerings before the Lord is actually something God asks you to do for you, not for Him. Like when you give generously as an act of worship, it breaks materialism off of your life and helps perpetuate this vicious cycle of flourishing even in your own life and finances. I'll let everybody clap that in if you would. That's great. We just receive that. The Lord wants us to understand it. To walk in a greater attitude of maturity and love in this regard is really, really important. 
the, the whole idea of tithe is not just Old Testament law. I know there's people under the sound of my voice and you justify not giving anything. And, and you shouldn't. That's wrong. And, and you should really check yourself in that regard. The storehouse is the place where you're spiritually fed and the Bible says bring your tithe before the Lord into the storehouse. And this is not an Old Testament law because it was Abram and Melchizedek giving tithe before the law ever happened, then it's reinforced in the law, then Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he made the statement, you shouldn't neglect the tithe, and then Paul goes on and he teaches the New Testament churches, give in keeping with the sum of money, and the word tithe simply means 10%. So understand, this is we can justify it all day long, and usually people that want to take that justifying process is just simply because they just don't want to give, and they want to justify not doing so. But you're missing something. You're missing the point if that is the case. How many of you agree with that? relationally, financially, in every way. But what I want to encourage you to understand is it's beyond just that function of it. And, and by the way, thank you for being the kind of church that people actually want to come and pattern after. You might not have any idea of all the things that take place. Like yesterday we had a pastoral team of people that drove over three hours and we spent a day in consultation with them, helping mobilize them into some of the things that we've effectively done because we want to model well and help others walk this out. They literally drove over three hours, and we just invested in them. They didn't come and pay. They're walking through a difficult time. We provided lunch for them. We invested in them. How many know it's a beautiful thing when we help other people? And that pastor's messaged me. Uh, we've been interacting from that. It's just so helpful. Thank you so much. I mean, it's just it's just beautiful reality for us to do that. And so thank you for being the kind of church that other churches want to model after and that we're willing to share and express that. And it's, it's wonderful. But our tithe, per, you know, causes us to become that more and more so the church God's called us to become. But then there's this other thing called offerings. And we, we need to take a look at this from a few vantage points. You're going to hear a little more... Um, over the course of the next several months, we're starting to mobilize an understanding of what missions is really supposed to be. And I just want to voice my love and appreciation for Randy and Megan and uh, recognize you guys just for your heart for missions. These guys have served as missionaries in Africa and China. Uh, they kind of outran COVID moving away from China to get back here. They've landed here, and, and you see them here. You don't necessarily know the depth of their heart for missions, but their goal and their dream is amazing. What they shared with me when they first came to this church, and they want to mobilize us to have a heart for the nations of the world. So expect to start to hear a little more about the idea of a, a mission trip to Mexico, a mission trip to Brazil, and a mission trip to Africa. Yes, I did say those, those nations. Uh, and so we want to share some of those things with you and give you opportunities to understand how those trips might actually be possible for you to begin to go. Because what we, what we understand fully is when you get your mind off of you and get your focus on others, it will revolutionize your life. I mean, it's a powerful reality. Nobody claps alone in our church. Come on, let's do. Let's just thank the Lord. We're, we're calling in what God is up to in all of this. Um, you know, those are wonderful things abroad. Let me just tell you about something locally. It's a really important ministry. When we conclude today and you stand up and you start to walk that way, you're going to look to your right and you're going to see a table with posters and information. That table is 
uh, our summer food program. And I need you to understand what this is. This is, uh, in our community, you know, we, our church exists in, in somewhat of an impoverished area with impoverished families around. And, and when their children during the school year um, are enjoying the benefit of free and reduced lunch, and then school concludes and they go into summer, what we've realized is some of those children and some of those families struggle and even go hungry. So a few years ago, we introduced this idea of actually providing food as a church for people in the community. How many of you think that's a good idea? This sounds like fulfilling the royal law of Scripture to me. How about you? And so we're gathering together and we're devoting ourselves to see somehow we can help these families. And from last year to this year, we have actually about doubled in number of people that we're ministering to in this regard. And there's a big team doing this, a number of people working hard. Crystal Gazaway asked me not to mention her name specifically and single her out, so I'm not going to mention her at all. But I'm just going to tell you there's a whole group of people that work with Crystal Gazaway who I'm not going to point out. Uh, and that her, her family has been recruited in, her friends have been recruited in, a number of you have been recruited in, a number of you have given, in her words this last week to me, this is such a church-wide, beautiful expression of care and love for our community. So I want to say, hats off, Destiny family, why don't you give each other a big round of applause for just the royal law of love at work in a beautiful, wonderful way. And so... We could use your assistance and partnership in this process. We've made it really easy. You can go on Amazon and you can help make purchases and so forth. That, um, she'll give you details of that at the table. Uh, after the service, you can find out. And we wanted to really debut that today because it begins now and there are families that are in need. Can I just tell you, there are many, many benevolent situations that we are working with right now. A number of situations where people are in desperate circumstances. And those that we're in close personal relationship with that are part of our church family, uh, we just have a personal responsibility and a great obligation before the Lord to demonstrate this royal law of Scripture and love them well. How many of you would agree with that? Can I just get an amen? And so what I want to invite you is understand this concept of tithe and offerings. Offerings are about missions. Offerings are about benevolence. Offerings are about other things that we have a heart for. And I would invite you, some of you might have the capacity just to today write a $1,000 check just to help in the area of benevolence with these needs in our community. I'm not, you know, like, here, give me five, here, give me five, give me 20. I'm not, you know, trying to do any of that. I'm just saying that we should all actually give from a sacrificial disposition, and that looks different in every one of our lives. So you take a look at where you are, and let's come together and demonstrate this royal law of Scripture in an amazing and beautiful way. I'll say this statement again. It is our responsibility to release heaven into earth, bringing the full impact of a good God and a prosperous kingdom to a broken world in desperate need of God's love. Can we just say that together? There's just some grace on that statement. Would you mind just saying it out loud, real loud? Let's declare it. It is our responsibility 
to release heaven into earth, bringing the full impact of a good God and a prosperous kingdom to a broken world in desperate need of God's love. Any brand of Christianity that is self-serving misrepresents the very nature of Christ. And in our Western world, we have so reduced Christianity into a self-serving religion that it is now a complete misrepresentation of the nature of Christ in many ways. I'm not a church hater. I'm not a church basher. I'm a Jesus lover. And the nature of Christ should be central to everything that we do. And we are going to become more of the church God desires for us to be in this community and to each other as our way of life. I don't know if you know it or not, but we are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyle as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. I was afraid I'm not remember that. That would be embarrassing. Our core value mission statement, I get up here and forget. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Everybody's doing okay. Just good to get in the presence of the Lord and experience and explore His nature. You know, I don't feel the obligation to scramble for something that's entertaining that will keep you... Uh, you know, excited about what I'm saying. I, I, I just want to say to you, it is the lack of faith from people like me who stand in places like this that has caused the church to be overstimulated and underdeveloped because we don't have faith in the power of God's Word. Therefore, we have to bolt on all these other amenities to make sure we keep the plate spinning, keep you laughing. If we can get you to laugh, we can shove a spoonful in here and there, and we can get this thing moving. And Come on. I just believe the Lord's trying to take us to greater places of maturity than that. There's something transacting. You are what you eat. I want you to have the mature word of the living God as we gather like this together. Philippians chapter 1, 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that you may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. I know I'm going too fast for you to flip, and I like for you to have your Bibles and flip. I've got these marked, but, but uh, I'm, just, I'm reading. They'll pop up on the screen for you in this particular instance. 1 Thessalonians 3:12. May the Lord... Will you just receive this today? May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. Can I hear amen? Like a responsive reading declaration. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. 1 Peter 1.22 Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Consumer-minded Christianity presents serving as an avenue of self-fulfillment rather than kingdom advancement. Please just hear what I'm saying. We're going to wind down here momentarily. In fact, the worship team, if you all would like to go ahead and, and make your way up. 
consumer-minded Christianity, which is an oxymoron. Consumer Christianity, those don't go together. But we live in a day when the world has evangelized the church as much as the church has evangelized the world, so much of the world's ideology has crept right into our theology, and we don't seem to understand where the world's ideology ends and biblical theology begins. If I were down there, I'd say amen. That's just what I'd do. There is a step now. I might run down. I used to go down and shout myself from the seat and then come back up and finish preaching. Some of y'all may remember that. I'm not quite as agile as I once was. Consumer-minded Christianity presents serving as this avenue of self-fulfillment rather than kingdom advancement. And we have to be guarded against that. Everything we're doing is just to follow after the sacrificial example of Christ, period. He is the way. He's not the way for me to get all the stuff I want. Come to Jesus and you'll really get everything. No, he's just the way, period. And you have to learn to die to yourself if you're really going to explore what life is all about. And it's not like this temporal, beautiful, best life the world has to offer. It is about life and life abundantly from his kingdom. So this week we're going to ask you, as we bring God's presence to real life, come to the table. This is our action point. This is our mission as a church family. We bring God's presence to real life. We should experience God's presence and express God's presence. Come to the table with others, exploring a deeper place of worship by making a simple relational effort to know God's heart together. In your suggested table conversation this week, do this as a family, do this with friends, do it with both. But ask the, com ask the question and have the conversation. In the name of the pursuit of the royal law of loving our neighbor, where is God at work in my relationships with people around me? And how am I learning to love them more deeply? 2023, deeper. We want to go deeper. How many of you want to go deeper? Come on, would you just stand? This week, the Lord's just spoken this to me over and over, and I want to just say it to you. I feel like I'm standing here in a moment kind of under an anointing to release this, maybe in a little bit uh, greater fashion. So would you just settle your heart for me? I know we stood up and that kind of jostles, but let's pay close attention to the Holy Spirit. That's what this is about. All week, the Lord has just been saying to me, I want to take you to a deeper place, but a deeper place requires a greater price. I want to say to you, God wants to take you to a deeper place. But a deeper place requires a greater price. We've heard it before. You keep doing what you've always done. You keep having what you've always had. But the Lord wants to take us to a deeper place. It's just that a deeper place will require a greater price. So, Father, we just say we want to go. If you want to go to a deeper place, would you say out loud, real loud, amen. <laughs> Lord, we're hungry for more. We just haven't had enough 
we'll never have had enough. Our, our design is to live for all eternity, exploring these waves of the revealing of the nature of eternal God. We'll always be overwhelmed, hungry for more. We're born for more. So I pray that you would help us, Lord, to grow in the deeper pursuit of the things of God. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to go ahead and make their ways up on the sides. And Lord, we just want to surrender our hearts to you and say, Lord, have your way. Thank you that you're forming Christ within us. You're forming Christ within us. And rather than the presentation of goodness, we're actually going to begin experiencing the manifestation of Christ. Rather than the presentation of Christian goodness that can only take us so far and people begin to see through it, we're going to begin to explore and experience the manifestation of Christ within us. You're forming Christ within us. So help us to grow in that understanding of the faith in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name we're going to take just a few moments in worship it's kind of our custom we've received something from the Lord we want to give that back so I want to ask just that which is stirring in your heart would you just sincerely wholeheartedly just give him just these few moments it won't be long just a few moments our worship our, sorry our prayer teams are available if we can pray with you about anything make your way up we believe in the power of the prayer of agreement amen and these teams are ready to pray a prayer of agreement and then uh, we'll be dismissed Katie will come in just a few moments and she'll dismiss and as she does remember that table is back there if you go ahead and turn the lights on that table just so those are on there I would appreciate it and I want you to, to have a chat with uh, Crystal and company about what's, uh, what's happening and how we're making a difference in the community. It's a good place, isn't it? I want to just say to you, like, maybe from a deeper place than I've known in years past, I really do love you. <laughs> I love our church family. I'm thankful for what Jesus is doing, and I want to become more of who he's called me to be as he manifests Christ in our hearts. Come on, let's worship. Just take a few moments and don't, don't feel the need to rush. Just pause and just let's press in and worship just for a few moments before we go.